logic and practical information do not seem to apply here. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. I'm all shook up. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. As you might be able to tell from my voice, I am still getting over COVID. Yes, as I mentioned in my Twitch stream last week, after two years and almost exactly seven months of locking myself down and masking up and vaccinating and boosting and doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, I somehow managed to contract COVID anyway. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But as a result, my voice is not quite where I want it to be. I also get tired talking. I also just get tired. Yeah, COVID sucks. If you haven't had it, COVID sucks. Even if you've been vaxxed and boosted, it sucks. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, too. That's why we did a best of episode last week, and that's why we're probably going to do a relatively shorter episode this week. But I did want to talk about COVID, and I also wanted to give you just some more stories this week. It's October, it's Halloween time, I was going to do an episode about mysteries and spooky stuff and Halloween stuff. I'm going to do a little mystery stuff today. We may expand on that in a future episode as well. We've talked about mysteries and superstitions and Halloween stuff in the past. We of course will do it again, but we're going to do a little bit of everything today. I did want to talk about COVID today. I know, people have COVID fatigue. People are tired of dealing with COVID. I'm tired of dealing with COVID. I've talked about it a few times. I've talked about it in the stream. It's annoying. It's changed our lives. It's made the world a different place. And I'm not happy with the place that the world is these days. COVID made me rethink what I wanted to do with my life. I took early retirement in part because of the COVID epidemic. I could see how people were treating it. I could see how people were not taking it seriously. I could see how people were treating each other. And I didn't want to have to deal with that on a daily basis. And fortunately, I was in a position where I didn't have to. Mrs. Gamer Dude is in a similar position. She can work in an environment where she's mostly protected. She wears her mask all the time. She's always behind screens. She doesn't really interact with anybody. And to the extent that she has to interact with anybody, she's always wearing a mask and she's vaxxed and she's had her boosters. We both have. But yeah, back in March of 2020, when I started reading about this stuff and saw how serious it was, we both took it seriously from the very beginning. We stopped traveling, we stopped going places, we stopped going out to eat. As our knowledge has expanded, as we've learned what to do, what not to do, what we can do, what we shouldn't do over the years, and it's literally been years, we've done all we can to protect ourselves. That included not going places, that included masking up anytime we left the house, which we don't do that often. I mean, we have to go to the grocery store to get groceries. We've had some deliveries, but sometimes you have to go out to the store. We cut back on going out altogether. We don't go out and eat. We just don't. If we want something from a restaurant, we order it and bring it home. We've been doing that for over two years now. We don't travel. We don't travel, not like we used to. There was a two-year gap there where we didn't take a trip away from home. It just wasn't worth it to us. We saw too many stories about people getting sick and not recovering. And I'll be honest with you, I'm really concerned about COVID. To this day, I'm really concerned about it. I had the original vaccine. I've been boosted twice. I haven't had the most recent booster. I've been trying to get it scheduled, but I had to put that on hold after I got COVID. And that's the thing about getting COVID. I don't even know how I got it. Mrs. Gamer Dude isn't sick. She didn't bring it home. I got a positive test the first week in October. I recognized the symptoms. I said, well, this doesn't feel exactly like allergies. So I used one of the government tests they sent us and I came back with a positive. And I played back in my head what I did. I did nothing different than I've done any other week. 
I went two places. I went to the grocery store, which I've done multiple times. But when I get out of the car, I put on a mask. I don't go through the parking lot without the mask, let alone into the store. When I'm in line checking out, I don't stand near anybody. I make sure there's at least six feet. I don't breathe on anybody. I don't go near anybody in the store. And I don't take my mask off until I'm sitting back inside my car. The other place I had to go was to my doctor's office. Now, in New Jersey, the doctor's offices all have signs out front that say, this is a healthcare facility, masks are required. Not that I wasn't going to wear a mask in there anyway, it's a doctor's office, sick people go there. Of course I'm going to wear a mask. I had to go there for a blood test, I had to draw blood. Now, they all wore masks except for the receptionist. She didn't have a mask on, but she was behind glass, so I wasn't worried about that. And just like the supermarket, I put my mask on when I get to the parking lot. I hop out of my car, I'm in the parking lot, my mask goes on, and I wear it inside. I wear it the whole time I'm inside. It took them maybe five minutes to draw blood. Then I left, got back in the car, took the mask off. That's it. Those are the only two places that I went. Those are the only two things that I did. And somehow, I contracted COVID. COVID scares me, guys. Let me tell you, COVID scares me. I've read all of the articles about long COVID. I've read people who have been suffering with it for two years. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm an older dude now. I worry about getting sick. I worry about dying from dumb things like this. This would be a dumb thing to die from. It's 100% preventable and it would be the dumbest thing in the world to die from. And so that kind of thing worries me. I also know it robs you of things. It robs you of your memory. My memory's already getting bad enough. I don't need any help in that department. But I like to work out. It robs you of your ability to breathe. I have felt so tired in the past couple of weeks. That's not like me. I'm not a tired person. I get up and I do things. And this COVID has taken the energy out of me, man. And I don't have it bad. I know people who have had it bad. I've read about people who've had it bad. I'm getting through it okay, considering what I've seen other people have to deal with. It's just so frustrating to have put in so much time to be so careful, to do everything the right way, to sacrifice so much. Because we've sacrificed. We've changed our lives because of this. And we've had to do so because of other people. And it's frustrating. That doesn't mean I'm not going to continue to be careful. I'm going to go get my booster shot. I'm going to continue to wear a mask. Because I don't want to get this again. Everything I've read says just because you've had it once doesn't mean you're not going to get it again. In fact, I've read of reinfections. The new variants can be even worse than the original variants. So we're not taking chances around here. But let me tell you, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because of the people, how people have treated it how people have responded to it. It's frustrating because of the businesses, how businesses have treated it, how businesses have responded. It's frustrating because of the government, how the government has treated it, how the government has responded. This seems like something that could have been so preventable if handled differently. But because of the selfish age that we're living in, so many of us are stuck suffering needlessly. And it's so frustrating. So anyway, there's my little rant about COVID. But this is story time, and I did want to give you some stories, and it being October and spooky story time, I thought this would be a good opportunity to throw some spooky stories at you. One of those enduring stories, one of those mysteries that has always stayed with me, and one of the mysteries that I love to read about, is those mysteries involving ghost ships. We were talking about this in the stream the other day. One of my favorite spooky games was the Man of Medan game, which involved a ghost ship. And there's been ghost ship movies, and there's been ghost ship stories for years and years. There's just something crazy, spooky, eerie about ghost ship stories. They involve a ship, obviously, 
But the cool thing and the scary thing and the distracting thing and the eerie thing about a ghost ship story is it's a normal ship that just goes out and does its ship things, whether it's a cargo vessel, a passenger vessel, a cruise ship, whatever. The ship leaves port and it's doing whatever it's supposed to do. And then days or even weeks later, it's found floating out in the ocean, completely abandoned. And there's never an explanation for why. It's those unexplained things that always freaked me out as a kid. It's those unexplained stories, the unsolved mysteries. Remember that show, Unsolved Mysteries? And the unsolved mysteries could be anything, a kidnapping, a disappearance, whatever. But the ships, man, the ships with the unsolved mysteries, the abandoned ships, they always attracted my attention and they always freaked me out. One of the most famous ghost ships, at least in my opinion and in my experience, is the mystery of the Mary Celeste. I remember reading about this as a kid. I've seen variations on this so many times. I've seen different versions of the story. I've read articles about it. I've read short stories about it. The Mary Celeste sticks in my head, but the Mary Celeste was not unique. We'll talk about that in a minute. But here's the story of the Mary Celeste. The Mary Celeste set sail from New York back in November of 1872. Now, it was a typical sailing ship. The captain of the ship was a guy named Benjamin Briggs. He was an accomplished sailor, an accomplished captain, and he was a part owner of the Mary Celeste. Now, his plan was to take his ship and his cargo from New York to Italy, across the Atlantic. Now, traveling on the ship with him was his wife, Sarah. They brought their two-year-old daughter, Sophia, with them on this trip, and they had a crew of seven with them to travel from New York to Italy. Now, they set sail on November 7th, the departure went as departures go. They sailed out of the harbor. There was a bunch of people on the dock waving as they left. See ya, have a nice trip. You know the routine. Not like a cruise ship, but they were saying goodbye. The sailors who were on the ship had family on the dock and they were all waving goodbye. The main cargo on the ship was 1,700 barrels of grain alcohol. The captain and his partners, the owners of the Mary Celeste, expected to make a pretty decent profit selling this grain alcohol in Italy. So that was the plan. They were going to take the cargo of grain alcohol and sell it in Italy, make a profit, turn around and come home. Now, as I said, the captain brought his wife. Sarah, his wife, knew they had a long trip in front of them. So she'd brought her sewing machine along so she could make clothes for the children to while away the long hours. I say children because they only brought their daughter. Two-year-old Sophia came on the trip. Seven-year-old Thomas stayed home to work on his schoolwork. So he didn't go on this trip, but mom was going to make clothes for both of them. They also brought a box of toys for Sophia. They obviously wanted to keep her entertained. It was going to take weeks to get from New York to Italy on a sailing ship. But they had big plans to get to Genoa, Italy, sell off their grain alcohol, make a profit, turn around and head home. After, of course, spending some time in Italy. This is where the mystery kicks in. They never made it. December 4th, about three and a half weeks later, the British cargo ship Del Gracia spotted a ship on the horizon. Captain Morehouse of that ship signaled the mystery ship on the horizon, got no answer. The sails were all up on the mystery ship, but it seemed to be moving erratically in the breeze. They got closer and saw no one was at the wheel of the ship. As they got closer still, they could see the name on the front of the ship, Mary Celeste. Now this Captain Morehouse of the Del Gracia, he knew the Mary Celeste. He knew Captain Briggs. He knew of the trip. He knew what Captain Briggs planned to do, in fact. So Captain Morehouse ordered two of his seamen to take a boat and board the Mary Celeste and see what was going on. They took the first mate with them, so the three guys rode across the gap between the two ships, and they searched the Mary Celeste from end to end. They found it was completely deserted. Empty. Not a soul on board. Not the captain. Not his wife. Not their daughter. None of the seven crew members. 
but it looked like they'd just been there. Mrs. Briggs' sewing machine was out. She was hemming a girl's dress. The dress was on the sewing machine. There was a file of oil on the table next to the sewing machine, which indicated that the seas had not been rough. There had been no turmoil. There had been no turbulence. Otherwise, the oil would have been knocked over. If there had been a storm or some kind of freakish wave, all of that would have been knocked on the floor. It was fine. They searched the rest of the captain's cabin. They found the captain's clothes. They found his watch, all hanging on a hook in his cabin. There was a meal and silverware laid out on a table nearby. They looked in the crew's quarters. They saw the crew's boots and clothing all hung up along the wall, the way it would have been if they'd gone to bed. Hanging on the wall next to the clothes was a rack containing their pipes. Everybody smoked. They all smoked pipes. All of the pipes were there. So, for whatever reason, the crew left their clothes and their boots and their pipes and their tobacco on the ship if they left. And, of course, they left because there was nobody on the ship. The first mate then went down to the hold and inspected the cargo. There were supposed to be 1,700 barrels of grain alcohol, and they were all there, except for one, which had been tapped. It had been started. It wasn't empty, but it had been started. They found the logbook. The last log entry was made on November 24th, about 17 days after they left New York, and about a week and a half before they were found. The log entry recorded a position about 800 miles from where the ship was when it was found, but there was no report of anything going on, no bad weather, no encounters with anybody. Captain Morehouse decided to have his first mate and the two men who were on the ship inspecting it sail the ship to Gibraltar, which was about 600 miles away. It took them about nine days to get there. They turned the ship into the authorities, reported the missing crew. The Queen's Proctor of the Admiralty Court ordered a special survey, and they couldn't find anything wrong. They couldn't find any explanation. They had no idea what happened. According to the report issued by the Queen's Proctor, the vessel appeared to be in substantially serviceable condition. The hull below the waterline exhibited not the smallest trace of damage. There wasn't an indication that the ship had been in any kind of a collision. They also concluded that the vessel had not been involved in any severe weather. The decking was perfect, not a crack, not a scratch in the paint. The ship seemed in perfect condition. The sailors' chests and their clothing was found perfectly dry. The razors didn't even have rust on them. Panes of glass in the deck, on the ship, in storage, completely unbroken. There was no indication that there was any weather, turbulence, waves anything that tossed the ship around. The survey of the grain alcohol, which was valued at $80,000, imagine that, $80,000 and $1,872, but all of the barrels were well stowed and in good condition, except one barrel which had been started. Nothing had been stolen, so there was no explanation of piracy. The conclusion of the report was that they didn't know what happened. To this day, they don't know what happened. There's no explanation for what happened to the crew or the captain and his family. Now, if you go Google the Mary Celeste, you will find all kinds of stories about the Mary Celeste. There were conspiracy theories. There were stories by Arthur Conan Doyle, who invented Sherlock Holmes. He got into the mix with stories. There were people who tried to capitalize on the Mary Celeste story. One guy created a character, a secret passenger on the Mary Celeste. Go look up Abel Fosdyke. Somebody who was supposedly on the Mary Celeste, who was a creation of fiction, but yet people bought into the stories about Abel Fosdyke and the secret passenger on the Mary Celeste. People will buy into that stuff. But to this day, nobody has ever been able to explain what happened to the Mary Celeste. See, that's the kind of mystery that always fascinates me. 
I'm not sure why the Mary Celeste has become the most popular of all of the ghost ships, but if you do a little research, you'll find that ghost ships have happened for literally centuries. People come across ships in the ocean that have just been abandoned. There's no sign of the crew. There's no sign of foul play. Sometimes it's pirates. Sometimes it's weather. Sometimes they just never know. Back in 1840, for instance, there was a ship called the Rosalie. That's another one that disappeared without a trace of the crew. That was bound from Hamburg to Havana. It was found to drift in the Atlantic Ocean. Still on board was a canary in its cage. Some domestic hens pecking about on the deck looking for food. But the people who found the ship found nobody on board. The ship's captain, officers, crew, passengers, nowhere to be found. Food and supplies were still on the ship. Hens were still on the ship. There was nothing missing from the cargo. So that suggests that if there were pirates, they were dumb pirates because they didn't take anything. There was not a single scrap of evidence on the ship as to what happened to the crew. The only thing they knew for certain about the Rosalie, just as they knew with the Mary Celeste, for no discernible reason, every single person aboard the ship had vanished. No trace of them was ever found, and no explanation for the disappearance. Another one, 1849, the Hermania. A fishing vessel found off the coast of Cornwall in England. The ship was in good condition. The lifeboats had not been launched. Plenty of food, no missing valuables. But the captain and the crew vanished. No remains ever discovered. No explanation ever found. Another ship with the same familiar story, the Carol A. Deering. The crew disappeared in 1921. The ship unloaded a cargo of coal in Rio de Janeiro in December of 1920, then set sail for its home harbor in Portland, Maine. About two months later, on January 31st, 1921, the men at the Coast Guard station off Oracoke Island in North Carolina saw a five-masted schooner run aground off the beach. It took them several tries to get out to it. They found it was the Carol A. Deering. The only living creatures on the ship? Three famished ship's cats. Yes, cats who lived on the ship. In the galley, plates of spare ribs were laid out. There was a large tureen of pea soup, a large pot of coffee untouched. But there was no blood, no bodies, no signs of violence, no indication of the crew anywhere. Now on this particular ship, the lifeboats were gone. That's the only indication that the crew found something wrong or something happened to the crew or they decided to abandon ship voluntarily. But none of the crew ever showed up anywhere, ever. Just like the other ghost ships we've talked about, the crew disappeared without a trace. That's why I love the ghost ship stories. Because you don't know what happened, how it happened, why it happened. And it's that kind of mystery that makes our lives interesting and gives you something to think about and worry about. Yeah, the ghost ship stories. Oh, man, I love those ghost ship stories. They just fascinate me, man. They scare me, too. I mean, I love the ocean. I love being on a ship. Anything can happen out there. And those ghost ship stories are proof of that. I mean, I like ghost houses and haunted houses, the haunted prisons, the seances, the haunted graveyards, the haunted lighthouses, weird deaths, unexplained incidents. I like all of that stuff. But the ghost ships, man, they freak me out the most, I think. And yeah, don't worry. I've got plenty of those stories to tell down the road, too. But for now, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to be here, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to all of these episodes. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.